to study another portion of God's Word. We are walking through the book of Ruth, and this is uh, in a bigger thought. We've been studying the women of the Bible, and we came to Ruth, and we have been studying chapter by chapter this story. And I'll just tell you what, the more I read it, the more I love it, the more I learn from it, different things, and what a blessing this story is for us as Christians to know that God is with us, and God loves us, and he wants the best for us. Just to kind of get us, we'll be in Ruth chapter 3 tonight, but to kind of get us back into the thoughts about Ruth, in Ruth chapter 2, if you would turn with me to Uh, verse 2, and I want to start right there. Ruth chapter 2, it says, So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heeds of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. She just so happened to show up in the place where Boaz was, who was kin to Elimelech. Elimelech was Naomi's husband and kin to them. And what God does is he begins to work in the life of Naomi and Ruth. And what a blessing comes from it. Boaz meets Ruth and gives her safety and protection in a rough time. You remember this is in the time of the judges where people did what was right in their own eyes, which was probably a scary time. But God is caring for both Naomi and for Ruth through the kindness of Boaz. Which brings us, and before we start in chapter 3, I want to look at verse 20 of chapter 2. Because when we, when we continue this story, there's a change in Naomi. Naomi was the one who was bitter, the one who said that she left uh, Jerusalem full and came back empty. She was the one who wanted to be called Mara, the one who was bitter. But what we see in verse 20 of chapter 2 is an awakening. We see her. She says, Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our closest relatives. What had happened was Boaz was taking care of Ruth, and Ruth came back with food, and she said that she had worked with a guy named Boaz. It opens up Naomi's eyes. Naomi's eyes are opened up, and she starts to get out of the funk. You ever been in that? You ever been in a... Uh, just kind of a, a place where you just seem to not be able to get out of it and, and serving the Lord just isn't uh, right where you need to be uh, in, in your daily walk and, you know, in your thoughts. All of those things are just not where they need to be because of some tough situation or something in your life has come up that has maybe discouraged you. Well, here was Naomi in that situation, but now all of a sudden 
she realizes God is providing. God is showing a way. And let's look at this. The first thing to consider tonight is the plan. Verses 1 through 5 of Ruth chapter 3. It says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go cover his feet and lie down. And he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. What do we see in Naomi? We see Naomi becomes concerned that when Ruth dies, there may be not any hope for her. There may not be a way for her uh, to carry on. You see what she says in verse 1. She says, my daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? What a change in heart. What a change in attitude. What a change in her thoughts. She goes from thinking about herself to doing exactly what we should be doing as God's people as well. Thinking about others. Amen? Her mind becomes fixed on doing what we all should be doing as well. Naomi becomes concerned for Ruth's well-being just like what? Ruth was concerned for Naomi's, right? Turn with me really quick back to Ruth chapter 1 and look at verses 16 and 17. You remember what happens and what Ruth says to Naomi. She says, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. What a blessing that is. To have people who care for you. So not only is Ruth caring about Naomi, but now Naomi is caring for Ruth. She's looking for this opportunity. Her eyes have been opened and she understands and sees that Boaz is right there for the taking, so to speak, right? So what does she do? She gives her this plan. Therefore, verse 3, Ruth chapter 3 Verse 3, therefore wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies. And you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. 
She goes down. She gets cleaned up. They have this whole setup of what's going to happen. And, you know, when Boaz realizes that uh, Ruth is at his feet, then he can make the decision. You, You remember what she says. And he will tell you what you should do. Ruth will be either sent away or Ruth will be covered with his feet as well. This is done also at a great time. The harvest is done. It's about to be over with. Boaz is about to finish a good meal. He's about to be full and he's about to go to sleep. Naomi is on the game. Naomi is thinking about how to get this accomplished. Brethren, if we are on our game, what kind of damage can we do to the world? What can we do when we go out into the world and we talk to people? What can we do when we fellowship with each other? If we are on our game, if we're thinking about what we're supposed to be thinking about, if we're doing the things that we're supposed to be doing, what distractions seem to fall away? When we have our minds where they need to be at, when we know that God is in control and we continue to do what he tells us, watch the blessings flow. Amen? Have you ever had that in your life? Are you having that in your life right now? Are the things in your life going as planned or do you have some distractions? Do you have some things that are hindering you from doing God's will like you're supposed to? Having faith in God, and listen to this, having faith in God to operate in our lives does not mean that we just sit back and do nothing. Am I right about it? Naomi doesn't sit back. The one who was bitter, the one who didn't want to do anything according to God because she was just a little bit mad at him, right? But Naomi, now she doesn't sit back and do nothing. You know what that shows You know what that shows us? That shows us people can have a bad attitude and can come out of it. (laughs) Have you ever had a bad attitude? Have you ever uh, thought negative about your Christian faith or maybe had a little bit of doubt? I know I have. I mean, I admit it. I'm not scared. But you know what? The beauty of what this story shows us is people can change. People can get back to where they need to be. And what a blessing it is for us on this side of the cross that when we do mess up, we have something way better. We have some blood that'll cleanse all unrighteousness, don't we? We have something that will make us right in God's eyes immediately when we ask. But instead, what she does is what God wants us to do. And I want you to think about this for just a minute. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, the Bible says that we need to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Think about what Naomi starts to set up for Ruth. Ruth has been faithful to her. Ruth has been doing the things that she's supposed to do in helping her mother-in-law. And even after this plan is set up, we see Ruth say, all that you say to me, I'll do it. I'm going to do what you say to do. But when we walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time, what happens? 
our minds are fixed where they need to be at. We're walking wisely because the things we say, we say the right way. The things that we do, we do the right way. Because, and we've talked about this all morning in the Proverbs class, wisdom and knowledge is what we need, brethren. Amen? And if we don't have it, if we don't apply it, if we don't put it in our heart, it's irrelevant in our lives. It becomes something that we do not care about. The Word says that. So when we walk in wisdom, here is Naomi setting up a plan. She sees what's happening. She sees God putting things in order. She takes advantage. Are we watching for the opportunities that God is putting in front of us? Or are we too busy worrying about ourselves and the mess that we create sometimes, right? I have to be really careful myself because I may create a mess and then all of a sudden I'm over here dwelling in this mess that I created when I shouldn't even be messing with it. God tells us to walk in wisdom. And here's another thing while I'm in this area, and I think sometimes we don't put this into practice enough, is Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. See, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. But what does this proverb tell us? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of getting it right. See, when we apply the fear of God to our decisions, <laughs> you're not going to make the wrong decision if you are in a little bit of absolute reverence and fear to a God who can do something to you, will you? I mean, I know when, when I was a child and my dad told me to do something, I didn't really do it unless I knew what I was about to get if I got caught, right? A paddling or a whooping or whatever with the belt or, I mean, I remember one time, I may have told this story, but I hit a book in my pants <laughs> and I got busted on it. Needless to say, I never did it again, right? But I was fearful of that situation. If we are living our lives wisely, then this gets put into place. And when this gets put into place, then what? We'll make righteous decisions. We'll make godly decisions. Our decisions that we make are going to be no way even close to contrary to God's word. As we live our lives, we need to make sure that we are doing our part and not just sitting back and waiting on God to do it all. Amen? Faith without works is dead. We look to God to bless us, absolutely. But this doesn't mean that we are inactive in our faith. We are active in our faith because we love him so much and we know that he's looking out for us. He's way ahead, isn't he? Hey, Lord, I don't know exactly what's going on right now, but I know you're with me. Have you guys ever prayed something and it got answered? I mean, come on. God is in this to help you. God is in this to make you see and be confident that he loves you and that he wants the best for you. But we sometimes, just like Naomi, get sidetracked. 
And we get on this uh, idea that God doesn't love us and God doesn't care for us. What a false narrative. And when you look at this and you see the story of Ruth, you see Boaz and his grace towards her all in chapter 2. But boy, does it open up even more in chapter 3. So look at verse 6. It says, so she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear I will do for you all that you request. For all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Now it is true that I am close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Stay this night and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good. Let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives. Lie down until the morning. Let's just stop right there for just a minute. So what's the result? What do we see right here? What we see is the uprightness of Boaz and Ruth. You know, God blesses the righteous. Amen? God blesses the upright. You remember what Psalm 512 says? For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him as a shield. Hey, brethren, let that be your verse this week. Remember what that one says. Remember that the Lord will bless the righteous. With favor, you will, with favor, you will surround him as a shield. Boy, I like to be shielded off from the fiery darts from Satan. How about you? I like to be away from those bad uh, temptations and those bad trials that sometimes we put ourselves in. I don't want to be a part of those things. The Lord says he'll bless the righteous. Look at what verse 10 says. Boaz says, who, who are you? He, she says, I'm Ruth, your maidservant, and, and take your maidservant under your wing, for you are cl a close relative. And in verse 10, Boaz says this, blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter. Think about Ruth. Think about the characteristics that Ruth is, uh, that Boaz talks about uh, to, in, in relation to Ruth. 
For you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Ever heard that one, brethren? You ever heard the Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 31? Turn with me there real quick and let's look at this. Uh, Boaz calls Ruth a virtuous woman. Pretty good compliment. And I want you to just think about these things. Proverbs 31, verse 10. The Bible says, Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. For her, the heart of her husband safely trusts her. So he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Skip down to verse 20 just for time. It says, she extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. Look at verse 25. It says, strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but, to, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Boaz understands that this woman is different. Ladies, teenage girls, older women, this is what Christians need to look like. Amen? What a blessing that is to your husband, what a blessing that is to the brethren, what a blessing that is to be around women who are like this. All the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. They know it. Not because they just heard it, because they see it. They know who you are. They know the things that you do. They know the way that you talk. They know the conversations that you have. What we see here is a beautiful thing being established. We see a beautiful thing coming together in the relationship between Boaz and Ruth. We see Ruth being this kind, virtuous woman. But what do we see in Boaz? Boaz is a type of redeemer. Amen? Look at what he says in verse 11. He says, and now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. Brethren, husbands, listen to this. Are you this type of man? Do you take care of your family? Do not fear. 
because I'm going to take care of this. Do not fear because I'm the leader of this house. You remember what Joshua said? It doesn't matter what you're going to do, and I'm paraphrasing just a little bit. But as for me and my house, as the leader of my house, here's what we're going to do. We're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to be the leader. Don't fear. When, ti- when times get hard, when times get tough, don't fear. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be there for you. I want to be a comfort to you. He says, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. That is such an encouraging thing. You see two people doing what they're supposed to do, and boy, that's hard to break. Now, I say all that, and we talk about Ruth, and we talk about Boaz, and we talk about how this story is just setting up to be just so perfect, but what happens? There's a bump in the road, isn't there? Look at verse 12. It says, now it is true that I am a close relative. However, don't you love a however? However, there is a relative closer than I. Stay this night and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good. Let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives, lie down until the morning. Now look at verse 14. So she lay at his feet until morning, and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Also he said, bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs and and barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Is that you, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, These six ephahs of barley he gave me. For he said to me, Do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Then she said, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Sometimes there's bumps in the road. You know, you pray and you think that the plan is figured out and you think that everything is lining itself up and it's all going just as planned. And then what happens? Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, right? Why in the world did this happen? How in the world did it get to this point? How come I got to wait on this, God? What's going on? I thought we already had this worked out. I thought the plan was already set in order and I can see the finish line. What happened? How come we got this bump in the road? Sometimes... We just have to let God do his thing. Amen? Sometimes we just have to wait on his time, not ours. 
You remember this verse in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31? You guys know this one. But those who wait on the Lord, they do something. They renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What does Naomi tell Ruth? Look at what verse 18 says. Then she said, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. What was the matter? I want us to move over to chapter 4 and just establish this. It says, uh, in actually, look at verse 12 again, and then we'll move to chapter 4. But it says, now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Let me read what the Bible says talking about this. Boaz in chapter 4, verse 1, and we'll look at this more in depth next week. But Boaz went up to the gate and sat down, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, come aside, friend, and sit down here. So he came aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And I'll just stop right there. The possession had been sold, and what was about to happen was it was about to be brought back into the family, and this man was the closest relative to Elimelech. And so he had the right to buy this back. But if he didn't want it, then Boaz was next. What an anxious time for Naomi and Ruth. Do they know this man? We don't know much about him. But what we do know about is the man named Boaz. What a great guy, right? He's the one that we want. How come we got to this point, Lord? And now all of a sudden, Boaz may not be the one? Is it going to work out? Look at what it says back in uh, chapter 3, verse 17. This is the kind of guy Boaz is. He told her to open up her shawl, and he puts these six ephahs of barley in it, and he says, go to your mother-in-law because I don't want her to be empty-handed. This was a great guy. And now all of a sudden you mean plans have changed? I want us to think about this as we close. What is the basis for our life decisions? Do we walk by faith or do we walk by sight? The chapter ends with a little uncertainty about what God is doing. Ruth doesn't know if Boaz is going to be the one or not. And neither does Naomi. 
Here she was. She just gained her confidence back. She's trying to help Ruth, and then it looks like there's a stall in the plan. Brethren, if you've got your life back right and you're on the path and all of a sudden you hit a bump, don't grow weary in doing good. God is with you. God is working it out. You just got to trust the process, right? (laughs) Trust the process. We talked about it this morning. What did Daniel, what did Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego say? Even if we don't, get saved from this fiery furnace, we still have faith in our God. We still will not bow down and worship that statue. When we put our faith in the Lord, we may not see the answer immediately, and sometimes you may not see it at all. Am I right about it? Maybe you've prayed a prayer Maybe you've prayed a prayer and you keep praying this prayer and maybe something happens to you. Does it mean that prayer is not going to get answered? Maybe you're praying for somebody to obey the gospel. Maybe you're praying for somebody to be restored, to come back to the church. No, that doesn't mean that at all. It still means that God hears your prayer and God cares about you and is working things out for the good But we must do our part to water and plant. Water and plant. By faith in the Lord, by trusting in the process, knowing that it will work out the way the Lord sees best, that should be good enough for us. Amen? Here was Ruth. She's not sure how it's going to end up. And I just love how this story ends, and I've, I've held off to talk about it till next week. But it just goes to show that everybody deals with these types of thoughts. I don't know exactly how it's going to go. I'm trying to sell our house, and I'm a little bit anxious about it. You know, I wanted to hurry up and sell. I don't know if it will or not. But what do I have to do? Trust the process. Know that God is good all the time. And he's going to work it out the way it needs to be worked out. And I'm okay with that. However it ends up, however it turns out, God is in it and I'm with him. Hey, I'm on the Lord's team, right? You remember in Joshua when the angel of the Lord came to him and he looked at him and Joshua said, Who you with? You with us or you with the adversaries? What does... Uh, what does the angel of the Lord say? No. What? What is he talking about? He's saying, I'm not on either side. Whose side are you on is the question. Are you on my side? Because I'm the side that matters. Because I'm the one who is carrying the Lord's army. Brethren, think about this. Ruth and Naomi have been provided for up to this point. Why would they think it would all of a sudden stop? Am I right about it? They've been provided for up until this point. Why in the world would all of a sudden it stop? It won't. 
Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And remember this one as we go. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What a blessing it is to have Jesus as our Savior. Amen. Victory in Jesus is what should be on our lips. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. Maybe you're here today and you are anxious about something. Maybe you need prayers. Maybe you're worried about something and you need a hug or you need to talk about it. If you need that, you can come right now. We can, we can talk. We can pray. You can talk to the elders, whatever you need. But maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. I'm going to say it just like I said it this morning. Just like Christ was, you know, when we get to this point, I mean, this is the point right here. If I'm ever passionate about something, and please, brethren, get on me if I stop being passionate about it. I will never stop talking about this because it is the power to save people's lives. If you have not obeyed the gospel, I don't know why you would wait. Please don't miss the opportunity to be added to his family. You do it by believing who he is, that he came, that he died, that he was resurrected. You do it by repenting of your sins, turning from that way of life, knowing that you can't do it, but he can. You do it by confessing before men. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. You do it by being baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins. Ain't no time. This ain't no time to be scared. This is a time to be happy. The angels are ready to rejoice in heaven. Ready. Don't miss the opportunity to be added to the greatest kingdom that will ever be. Whatever you need, come right now. Together we stand and sing.